1: Hello, and welcome to BizHelp for You with Candy Messer. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you found the information on last week's show, Why the Traditional Brand Identity Model Doesn't Work for Small Businesses Today, informative. If you are unable to join us and would like to listen to the show, a link is located under the episode directory on my Voice America page, as well as links for iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. If there are topics you'd find beneficial or questions you have, please feel free to reach out to me at media at Now let's learn a little bit about our guest today. Cynthia Grande is the founder and managing attorney of the Grande Law Firm. She helps families and business owners get rid of debt so that they can live life with more freedom and peace of mind. Since the firm was founded in 2012, they've worked with over 1,000 families in the areas of bankruptcy and immigration law. Cynthia is a member of the National Association of Consumer Bankruptcy Attorneys, the Central District of California Bankruptcy Attorney Association, the American Immigration Lawyers Association, and the Los Angeles County Bar Association. She loves giving back to the community and serves as a board member for the El Camino College Education Foundation and the Latina Lawyers Bar Association. Cynthia, welcome to the show. I gave a tiny bit of background on yourself, but if you'd like to just share a little bit more about yourself and how you began working to help those facing bankruptcy.
2: Yes, I'd be happy to. Um, Well, so I uh, graduated law school back in 2009 in the middle of the recession. And right after law school. I started working at a law firm um, that did bankruptcy law and, you know, people during that time were losing their homes and just dealing with, um, you know, how do I live my life when I have all this debt, I have big mortgage payment and there's the whole world that's there when someone um, has to consider bankruptcy. And during that time I realized how much I enjoyed being able to, talk people through a really tough situation and be able to give them options so that instead of, you know, not getting sleep, you know, getting into arguments with their family members, all of that, I could actually do something to make their lives a little bit better. So out of doing that, I decided I wanted to do that um, on my own, and I started my law practice in 2012 uh, in the South Bay, and I've been doing that ever since. Perfect.
1: Perfect. Well, I would love to actually start with the definition of what really is a bankruptcy.
2: Well, so bankruptcy is a legal, so there's like the legal definition of it. And the way that I like to break it down for people is bankruptcy is a legal way, something that has been um, codified into our laws that allows people to deal with or restructure their debt so that they can actually move forward while responsibly taking care of their finances. And there's different types of bankruptcies that people can file, but the two most common ones that people end up dealing with on a day-to-day basis are a Chapter 7 bankruptcy and a Chapter 13 bankruptcy.
1: Okay. And can you touch on those a little
2: bit so that people
1: really understand what the difference is? Sure. A Chapter
2: 7 bankruptcy, that's the one that's most commonly heard of, the one that people think of when they hear bankruptcy. And technically, what a Chapter 7 bankruptcy is, it's the liquidation of your assets to pay off your debt. Um, It sounds a little scary when you hear it (laughs) like that, (laughs) You know, the reason that most people who file Chapter 7 get to keep their assets, when I say assets, I mean things like your home, your business, cars, things like that. Um, is because there are laws um, that give us something called exemptions that allow us to exempt or protect our property or someone's property up until a certain limit. So, the way that Chapter 7 works is that if the value of your property is within these limits, you get to keep your property. But if the value of your property goes over the limits, well, in that case, whatever goes over the limits gets sold off to pay, to pay off your creditors uh, to some extent. So, that's to sum it up, that's how a Chapter 7 bankruptcy works and what it does. Um, conversely, then there's a Chapter 13 bankruptcy, and a Chapter 13 bankruptcy. It's a reorganization of your debt. Um, So Chapter 13 is typically for people who have um, income that's too high to allow them to qualify for a Chapter 7, but they still want some kind of debt relief. And what a Chapter 13 does is it allows people to reorganize their debt so that they're essentially in a payment plan over a period of three to five years to pay back a percentage of their debt. Um, And there's a variety of factors that go into seeing if that's an option that works well for them. Okay,
1: great. And that's a great like overview. And of course, if anyone has additional questions, you know, we can probably get into more uh, detail or they can always reach out to you later. We'll get to that at the end if, if they have more questions and we don't have time to discuss today. But I'd really love to get into also what are the top misconceptions that people have regarding bankruptcy?
2: Well, there's quite a few. I would say... Um, you know, I can go over a couple of the ones that I see right away. And the first one that I that I get is that bankruptcy is a bad thing, that it's an immoral thing. And sometimes people feel that it's, it almost kind of feels like it's illegal. And bankruptcy is not. It's a, bankruptcy is a legal option available for people who find themselves in some tough circumstances. And it may be because um, they, found, they found themselves or a family member dealing with health issues or, you know, they found themselves in the pandemic and mm-hmm. unemployed or um, simply, you know, they just made decisions and not didn't really fully understand the consequences. And um, Chapter 7, Chapter 13 bankruptcy is something that can actually help people um, deal with that in a responsible and uh, straightforward way. So that's Mm -hmm. one of the common misconceptions for sure.
1: Yep. And what are some of the other ones that you've heard?
2: Yes. So one, I've heard that you won't have credit after filing bankruptcy, and that's also not true. Um, The way that bankruptcy works is that it does become a factor in determining your credit. So it does show up on your credit report um, for several years. However, um, there are other ways that people can take actions to rebuild their credit, and, you know, I've heard people um, being able to rebuild their credit within a few years after filing bankruptcy, and, you know, before they know it, they have excellent credit, so Mm -hmm. um, that's another big thing. That I and when you s-
1: say like it affects their credit, I mean, does it drop like a certain number of points or they just can't get like any type of credit? Like when you say it affects their credit, can you like explain that to listeners too? Because they might be concerned, you know, regarding like, sure. well, if I do this, I'll have absolutely no credit.
2: Yeah. So um, it usually does drop a couple, a hundred points. Um, The thing that I just tell people to keep in mind is that um, when they find themselves, people find themselves in either one of two situations. One is that they have been they continue to make at least the minimum payments, but they just find it harder and harder to keep up with the payments, even though they're on time. And the other scenario is where people have just, you know, and been unable to make the payments, and they have late fees, and, you know, it shows that they're um, behind on their payments on multiple accounts. Um, so for the people who are already behind multiple payments, um their credit score usually isn't that great to begin with at mm-hmm. that point um, so filing bankruptcy it will lower their credit but it will actually give them the freedom to rebuild it because all of their debts generally will be discharged on their on their credit report and they can actually work to build their credit over time um, and for the people who are making minimum payments well yes you know their credit They probably still have a decent credit score, um, and it will drop a couple hundred points. Um, And in that case, you know, what I tell people to look at is, you know, their quality of life. So Mm -hmm. if they're struggling making payments, you know, how long are they going to be able to keep that up? And is it something that's actually workable in their plans long term? Or will having a ding on the credit report um, be worth them being able to get some peace of mind? You know, So it depends from situation to situation, Um, but really what I tell people is to look at their lives a year from now, three years from now, five years from now, where do they see themselves and is there something that can actually help them? Mm -hmm.
1: That's important. Now, I know you said there was a few misconceptions. I know we covered two. I don't know if there's a third one um, that you think that you hear a lot that you might want to share.
2: Yes. Another one is that um, people think that they can't keep their house. You know, mm-hmm. they um, their house may have equity, and they think, well, you know, they're going to take my house away if I file for bankruptcy, or they'll take my cars away if I file for bankruptcy, and that's where those exemptions that I was talking about earlier come in, where people are actually allowed to keep properties, um, property if it has equity, you know, up until certain limit, and in California recently, they actually, um, last week on Friday, I think it was, uh, or a few... A few days ago, they actually uh, raised the exemption so people who maybe were thinking of filing bankruptcy before because they had a ton of of equity. Um, this could actually be an option for them now. Um, so that's something I hear, and it's you know most of the time when we file when people file for bankruptcy, they do get to keep their home and their cars and things like that.
1: Mm-hmm. I think that's good to point out, too, because I have heard a lot of people in the past, you know, just not that I have known a lot of people who have filed for bankruptcy, but a lot of times people talk about, you know, like you said, the misconceptions. And that's one of the things that I've heard before is like, oh, no, you're going to lose everything. You're not going to have a place to live. You're not going to have a car. You're not going to have, you know, your home. And so I think it's good to touch on that and really, you know, give peace of mind to people and say no one wants to be in that position. But if you are, you're at least going to have a place to stay.
2: Yeah, definitely. And I think I I blame the media and TV and all and movies for that, you know. It, there's that's definitely the the big thing that you hear out there, but um no, most people uh who file bankruptcy keep their assets and it just helps them rebuild rebuild with mm-hmm. what they have.
1: Right. So, can you also just touch on loan consolidation? Really, what is loan consolidation compared to bankruptcy?
2: Yes. Loan consolidation, it comes in a few different forms. And generally, um, the best form of loan consolidation out there um, that I've heard of is when someone is able to get some kind of personal loan at a low interest rate and they use that to Um, pay off their credit card debt or, you know, some other loans, and then they just end up without one payment towards a low-interest personal loan, or sometimes people will take out line of credits on their homes for that. Um, Mm -hmm. Again, that typically only works if um, they pay off their debt and it's a low-interest rate um, and they don't start using the cards that they've paid off again. Right. Um, so that's one way. The other is uh, there are companies that offer loan consolidation options, and that's where it gets a little tricky. There are some companies that will say that they'll do that, right, and they'll give you a loan, and then they pay off your creditors. And I, I'm not too familiar with the companies. Um, and with, you know, in that scenario, I usually tell people to really do their due diligence and make sure that the company that they're working with uh, does things that way, and um, you know we'll get them the result that they want. The other mm-hmm. way that I hear about debt consolidation or loan consolidation is through companies who will um, take all your your debts, and then they'll come up with an estimated amount that they think that they can settle your debts for. And what they'll do is they'll say, you know, here's a monthly payment. Make it, you know, make these payments, and we'll settle your debts for you know, X percentage. Mm-hmm. How that normally works from what I hear from clients and people that do try that route first is, you know, you stop paying your minimum payments The people who are making the minimum payments and then they're paying into this company. Now, in the meantime, those accounts still typically go to collections and then, you know, that does still get reported to credit, credit, credit agencies even though you're in this debt consolidation program. And, um, often, and I I don't know the statistics on it, but a lot of times what will happen is that, you know, if your debt settlement company is working on settling one debt and, you know, the other debt is still out there, you know, they'll hire attorneys and then they'll, they'll file a lawsuit in court. And then you end up with, you know, a summons and a court appearance on your front door, even though you're in this debt repayment plan. So, Mm. it can get a little tricky, especially if you own property, because if you do get a judgment against you while these proceedings are pending, um, then they can place a lien on your property, garnish your wages, and the whole, you know, world. So, um, again, with those kind of companies, I do recommend people do their due diligence, just because it can get a little tricky if you don't work with the right company.
1: Mm -hmm. That's great information to share as well. Um, And we have so much more to discuss, uh, but it's time to take a break. So when we come back, we'll continue to chat with Cynthia about things every person should know about bankruptcy. You're listening to BizHelp for You with Candy Messer on Voice America Internet Radio. We'll be right back after this brief commercial break.
0: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you up late at night after a long day's work trying to do your bookkeeping? Are you frustrated with your lack of QuickBooks knowledge or feel you don't understand it at all? Do payroll tax calculations and reporting stress you out? Whether you're a sole proprietor or an officer of a corporation, Affordable Bookkeeping and Payroll Services is here to help. We work with overwhelmed entrepreneurs to remove the burden of bookkeeping and payroll tasks, giving them peace of mind and the freedom to do the parts of the business they love. Our bookkeeping clients include service-based businesses such as medical offices, fast food restaurants, landscapers, and gyms. We also assist franchise owners to create the necessary reports to submit each month. We are a full-service payroll company, assisting clients of 1 to 120 employees. We offer full and self-service options. If you're ready to offload tasks that burden you, reach out to us today at 310-534-5577 or email contact at aban dp.com call us today have peace of mind tonight when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network you are listening to biz help for you if you have a question or comment about the show, send us an email to media at abnp.com. That's media at A-B-A-N-D-P Now, back to BizHelp for You.
1: Welcome back to BizHelp for You with Candy Messer. In the last segment, Cynthia Grande told us about her background and how she became an attorney working in bankruptcy. Now, let's continue our discussion. So, Cynthia, right before we went, went to break, you had a couple words that I want to make sure the listeners understand what the definitions are. So, for the first one, can you explain what a lean is?
2: Sure. So a lien, so there's like the technical definition of a lien, um, but to just break it down into some some more simpler terms. So there are various types of liens that can exist. One is a purchase money security lien. Um, So those are things where you enter into an agreement with someone and they have a lien on your property until you finish making the arrangements with them. So that's, you know, things like vehicles, property real property things like that then there are statutory liens and those are um, the most common ones that i come across are tax liens um mm-hmm. will fall behind on um their uh any uh debt that they have on with the irs or the you know their state taxes liens can be um tax liens can be placed against um property. Then there are judgment liens, and those are the liens that people um, will get after, um, say, a debt has gone to collections and then it doesn't get resolved there. Then a lawsuit is filed. And then at the end of that lawsuit, a judge signs off an order saying, yes, I find that this person does owe this debt. Um, Then in that case, uh, judgment liens can be placed against a home, um, or other type of property, um, to collect on that judgment. Um, so that's, that's kind of basic, basic, basic language, I think, as, as I can, uh, explain, right. uh, what a lien is. Been, okay. whole no world and behind it, but yeah. Right.
1: And then on the other side, you also mentioned a garnishment, and again, some people may know what that means, but if you could explain what a garnishment is and how that works as well.
2: Sure. Typically, uh, garnishment, so what a garnishment is, is when a creditor will garnish wages um, for an outstanding debt. So, that usually happens once uh, with those judgment liens after a judge has signed off on um, a judgment for a debt. Then a creditor can use that to um, uh, garnish wages up to a certain percentage. Um mm-hmm. And they typically serve that to someone's employer, and then they will do those rejections. Um Another way that it comes up that I usually see is in a uh, tax debt, the IRS, um, or the state, the state tax. Your state tax a company will, will do a, not company, but state taxes will garnish wages as well.
1: Right. And being the bookkeeping and payroll company that we are, we actually see those garnishments come in and again, like you've said, we've we've seen them for people who didn't pay, you know, their bills and they did get a judgment and now they have to pay, you know, whether it's a credit card or a cell phone bill. We've seen it for uh, child support and, of course, mm-hmm. past due taxes, IRS, EDD, you know, their state government, whatever. So um, once that is issued, of course, the employer has no, you know. Um, other thing that they could do except start doing that. And a lot of times people are like, oh, we'll just hold off on it. I don't have the money. The employer has no choice but to start doing what that, you know, says. So uh, we, we do see those frequently, unfortunately. Um, but I'm glad that you shared those definitions uh, because mm-hmm. I really wanted people to understand kind of what the difference was on that. Um, yeah. So let's talk about bankruptcy and what happens if someone also owns a business and if they are filing a bankruptcy, what would happen? Would they, you know, be at risk of losing their business? Would their business also have to kind of pay? If we could touch on that side of it as well.
2: Sure. Uh, It depends on a couple of things. So it depends on how the business is structured and then are there any assets associated with the business? And it goes into all of you have to look at all of those different factors to determine how, you know, what options are available. So if someone Mm -hmm. is self-employed or a sole proprietorship, things like that, um, assuming... We go back to those exemptions. So assuming that the value of the business, any assets associated with the business, fall within the exemptions, then generally there aren't any issues. If there are assets um, that... um, may go over the, the limits um, under those exemptions, then, you know, you would have to look to see perhaps a Chapter 13 might be a better option, um, and that's also where a Chapter 11 can come into play as well, um, where um, if the assets of the of the business and if it's the corporation, if they're um, if, they, if, they're, if they're substantial, then there are other uh, bankruptcy alternatives that people can pursue. So it depends from situation to situation. Um, mm-hmm. Most of the time, um, you know, people who do fall for bankruptcy keep their business because that's their source of income. And an attorney can look and make sure that um, if that is the source of income for an individual, that, that they can keep their business mm-hmm. uh, moving forward.
1: Right. And kind of associated with that, when you know people are business owners, often they will receive a notice that a customer has filed for bankruptcy. So if a business owner gets that notice, like how does that affect them?
2: Well, it depends. Uh, so it depends on the type of bankruptcy that's being filed and it depends um, on the assets that, that an individual has um, or a business has if it's a, a corporate bankruptcy that's being filed. Um, so usually in those situations, if you're unsure of you know of what your rights are and if they're um, if the uh, amount owed owed to a business owner um, as a cre- they would be considered a creditor. Um, generally, in those cases when they receive notice of a bankruptcy filing, um, mm-hmm. I typically suggest that they speak with an attorney so that they can look at the assets associated with the case and see. Being what options are available to business owners, whether they can file a claim um, so that they get paid at least some amount for the balance owed, if there's circumstances where they might want to object to um, something that's filed with the bankruptcy paperwork. Um, there's different options that are available. Um, and if critical that they speak with a bankruptcy attorney that can go over that with them so they can make the best decision possible.
1: And how is it determined in like a business bankruptcy, like the priority of who would be paid?
2: Yeah, so there's different categories of debt associated uh, with with a corporate bankruptcy. So, a corporate bankruptcy works a little different than a personal bankruptcy. So, an individual or personal bankruptcy, there are exemptions that allow people to protect a certain amount of assets, but with a corporate bankruptcy, um, those those exemptions don't apply. So, typically, if there are assets uh, associated with a corporation and they're filing for bankruptcy, Um, something... There will be something that gets distributed to creditors, and typically they focus on secured claims first. So, Mm -hmm. if somebody has, you know, um, uh, like real estate property, like that, has priority, tax debt has priority, um, and then uh, wages have priority, and different things like that. Um, So, in that case, because there are nuances that determine. What priority a debt has um, it's generally advisable to speak with someone who works in the bankruptcy field so that you can see, do I have a shot at getting something paid or is it going to be a lot of legal fees for something that's not going to give me a return on, on what I'm spending right. uh, as a business owner? Right.
1: So going back to the personal side and you know, bankruptcy, does someone have to file a bankruptcy with a spouse?
2: No, not necessarily. They don't have to file bankruptcy together. However, they do need to disclose the assets and income of a spouse on their bankruptcy paperwork. Um, typically, uh, if it's community properties, the property, so properties that, um, well, at least in California, we're a community property state. So in that case, you need to make sure that you list the, any assets and income for your spouse. Um, And there are several people who file without their spouse and they disclose that information. And basically, Mm -hmm. you know, that's done because they want to avoid situations where perhaps a non-filing spouse is making a ton of money um, and the person who's filing bankruptcy isn't working for whatever reason. They want to make sure that creditors are treated fairly um, Mm and getting what, what they're due.
1: And when you were uh, explaining that you gave you know the term also community property. A lot of us you know probably know what that is, but in case there's anyone listening who doesn't understand that term,
2: can you explain that as well? Sure. the way that I explain community property, um, so in California, for example, um, the moment that you get married, um, unless there's some kind of prenuptial agreement signed before you enter into a marriage, all the assets, um, that arise during the marriage, and assets include income. It includes things like furniture, businesses, anything that gets acquired during the marriage. Even though it may be in one person's name, legally, it's both parties. Um, so it's, you know, both spouses have a uh, 50% interest in that asset. And the same thing goes along with debt. Um, there's, there is, going back to those bankruptcy myths, Sometimes there's a misconception that if a bankruptcy is only in my name, at least in California, I'm the only one that has that debt. But legally, you know, that debt is community debt, um, that the legal responsibility does fall on both parties uh, Mm -hmm. for that debt.
1: Right. And I think it's great you touch on that, too, because I think, like you said, there is a misconception regarding that as well. And so just knowing everyone needs to really just know everything before they make that decision, (laughs) like to move forward with bankruptcy Mm -hmm. and really understand everything, which is why it's great to have you explaining a lot of this to help educate, because there are so many people right now that are struggling and this might be a consideration. So just making sure they have all their facts.
2: Sure. Yes. And something that goes along with that, as you're you're saying that is, Um, Something that I find uh, with people who are asking me questions about bankruptcy is that they don't have the full knowledge of what their spouse's assets are. You know, sometimes people maintain separate bank accounts for whatever reason, and those kind of things are important because if one person is a saver and the other isn't, and they may have $30,000, for example, in a savings account that can dramatically impact whether um, the person who needs to file bankruptcy or is considering filing bankruptcy, whether they're actually able to do that. Um, mm-hmm. So it's al- always important to know those details, um, at least in states like Cal- California that are a community property state.
1: Right. So is this something that, like, a bankruptcy attorney sits down with ahead of time and sits with each, you know, party the husband and the wife and just says okay let's list all the assets and you know things that you have your liabilities and and really get a good picture of that or does someone usually come to you kind of just in their last ditch effort of okay i need your help
2: to file like what would
1: be that process
2: ideally uh, what i what i what ideally what what makes the biggest difference is if people have done their homework beforehand so that Mm -hmm. they've done the list of all the creditors. They look at what their monthly payments are. They look at what the total debt is. They look at, if I keep on making these minimum payments, how much am I actually going to pay out um, over, you know, usually it's five or seven years that it takes to pay off a credit card. Um, and then they've done that the, the homework on their income. You know, how much money do I bring home? How much money does my spouse bring home? Let's add all of that up. And then let's take a realistic look at our expenses. What are those things that we have to have to pay, like rent um, or a mortgage payment, telephone, utilities, things like that? And then what are the things that I would like to continue paying um, but aren't necessary? And that way, um, people really have a clear picture of what their financial circumstances are so that they can have the ability to make that decision more quickly on what, how to best get to their goal uh, to have financial freedom.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think one thing to really point out, too, and sometimes there's a little bit of blinders on, too, but there's a difference between wants and needs, right? And I know sometimes people say, well, I have to have, you know, the cable and the cell phone, and we need to be able to go out to eat and, and things like that, too. But really, saying based on your financial picture, if you want to get out of the situation and avoid, you know, a bankruptcy, maybe you just cut back on those things, right? To be able to pay these other debts. I mean, is that something that you recommend to people too? Or kind of where would you, you know, what would you say to someone regarding that?
2: Yes, definitely. I think that it's good to in doing that look at their and looking at their budget to just get a realistic picture of what, how much they can cut, you know, trim down from their expenses. And, Mm -hmm. you know, at the same time, when people um, file for bankruptcy, those categories are taken into account. So there is, um, people are allowed to have um, cable and people are Mm -hmm. allowed to eat out. Like those are valid expenses that are accounted for. In a bankruptcy, so um, I think that's another myth that people have about bankruptcy. That if they file for bankruptcy, they can't ever go to the gym. And not that people are going to the gym right now, but you know, um, that they can't go to the gym, they can't go to the movies, and they completely can. Um, So. Uh, but if if the spending on that is just over the top, then, mm-hmm. yeah, it's good to, that's a, to be real. That's realistic. what I meant,
1: <laughs> right? Yeah, it's mm-hmm. not that like you couldn't have those things. But sometimes when you really look at the spending, you're like, wow, I didn't realize I was spending like that much. And, you know, that's where yeah. sometimes there's a surprise. So. Yeah. Um, So, but actually, believe it or not, it is just about time for us to take another quick break. So, be sure to hang around to hear more from Cynthia Grande of the Grande Law Firm on things that you should know about bankruptcy. We'll be right back after a brief commercial break.
2: Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa,
0: play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Are you up late at night after a long day's work trying to do your bookkeeping? Are you frustrated with your lack of QuickBooks knowledge or feel you don't understand it at all? Do payroll tax calculations and reporting stress you out? Whether you're a sole proprietor or an officer of a corporation, Affordable Bookkeeping and Payroll Services is here to help. We work with overwhelmed entrepreneurs to remove the burden of bookkeeping and payroll tasks, giving them peace of mind and the freedom to do the parts of the business they love. Our bookkeeping clients include service-based businesses such as medical offices, fast food restaurants, landscapers, and gyms. We also assist franchise owners to create the necessary reports to submit each month. We are a full-service payroll company, assisting clients of 1 to 120 employees. We offer full and self-service options. If you're ready to offload tasks that burden you, reach out to us today at 310-534-5577 or email contact at aband.com dp.com call us today have peace of mind tonight when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network you are listening to biz help for you if you have a question or comment about the show, send us an email to media at abnp.com. That's media at A-B-A-N-D-P dot Now, back to BizHelp for You.
1: Welcome back to BizHelp for You with Candy Messer. Today, I'm chatting with Cynthia Grande of the Grande Law Firm. Let's find out a bit more information on her regarding things every person should know about bankruptcy. So Cynthia, earlier we were talking about uh, the homes and if people can keep their home if they file for bankruptcy, um, but what would happen to their home equity line of credit uh, if they're filing for bankruptcy? Would that just be eliminated or what would
2: happen? It depends uh, on the type of bankruptcy that someone has and it depends on the amount of equity that there is in a home or if there isn't any equity. So in a Chapter 13 bankruptcy, something that you can do is Avoid a lien, or um, well, that's let me let me just break it down. Sometimes you can get rid of a line of credit on your home, Um, but in that case, um, there can't be equity in your property, and there's a few factors that go into that, Um, but it's possible. So, in those situations where perhaps the first mortgage on the property is pretty high and, you know, you're, you're trying to make these payments on the line of credit, it would be useful to speak with an attorney uh, to see if that's an option in your case um, so mm-hmm. that you can get rid of that, of that line of credit. But it just depends. Um, but okay. it is possible in some situations.
1: And earlier we were talking about would someone lose a home if they file for bankruptcy, but can filing bankruptcy help someone actually keep their home?
2: Yes, so there are situations where people have fallen behind on their mortgage payments. They've perhaps tried to do a loan modification, and they were unable to qualify for one reason or another. And if people file for a Chapter 13 bankruptcy, they can use that payment plan that I talked about earlier um, to create a payment plan to pay back the arrears on the home over a period of three to five years. Um, So in that case, people... Um, are able to start making their payments again and then also make a plan payment so they can pay off those arrears um, not all at once and, you know, in that case, you know, stop any foreclosure on their home while the bankruptcy is pending. Um, So that's a really great scenario for people who, um are working or do have income coming in and they but they just don't have the entire amount of arrears to pay just pay off the creditor with one check. Um mm-hmm. it just allows them to be able to get back on track with their payments and keep their home. Okay, great.
1: So is there a minimum amount of debt
2: that's needed
1: before filing a bankruptcy?
2: No, so there isn't uh like a statutory minimum of debt that that someone needs to have, of debt that someone needs to have before filing bankruptcy. But it goes back to looking at that first piece of it that we were talking about earlier. You know, what are people's goals? And is a bankruptcy, is the amount of money that you're going to pay for a bankruptcy, is the impact that it's going to have on your credit score, is it going to be worth um you know, the, the trade-off, which, you know, in a Chapter 7 is eliminating the debt, or in a Chapter 13, doing a payment plan. Um, mm-hmm. So there isn't a minimum amount, and sometimes based on the amount of debt, it's it doesn't make sense to do a bankruptcy. So if mm-hmm. that's where a case-by-case analysis is important. Right.
1: So if someone decides to go through this process of a bankruptcy, you know, how long would that
2: typically take? It depends uh, on the type of bankruptcy. If people are doing a Chapter 7 bankruptcy, typically that's about a five to six month uh, period of time from the moment the case gets filed until they get the order signed by the judge discharging their debts. For a Chapter 13 bankruptcy, that can take um, um, the, ter- the amount of time of their payment plan. So, um, it's typically a three to five year payment plan, so it could be as short as three years or, um, up to five years.
1: Mm-hmm. So if someone has gone and started this process of filing bankruptcy, and like you said, it could take five or six months, you know, are they still having to make like minimum payments on their those credit cards or, you know, do they just like not pay anything anymore? Like what would that process be? I'm not sure how that part works.
2: Typically, if people decide that they're going to do a bankruptcy, most of the time, um, what we see is that they stop making the payments because, um, you know, they're doing the bankruptcy. Mm -hmm. Um, So usually people will do that. And once the case is filed, um, then there's something called an automatic stay in place that protects Mm -hmm. uh, individuals from collection activities. So they won't get the phone calls and the letters and all of that harassment, um, the bankrupt, the filing of the bankruptcy will actually stop that.
1: Right. So when someone is filing for bankruptcy, does that actually eliminate their college loans as well? I mean, I've heard a lot of people have questions regarding that, and I'd love to touch on that too.
2: Well, it's something that is, um, that's being discussed and litigated. So it doesn't automatically, um, eliminate student loans, um, there is a process that people can follow um, so that the student loans do get discharged, and typically there's additional work that needs to happen in order for that to be the result, and someone needs to meet certain criteria. Um, more people are trying trying it out to see if, if they're getting the, the favorable result that they want, which is ultimately to eliminate the student loans, um, but it's not a high-percentage yet um that people are able to do that so it's um something that's that's moving and um you know it is possible in certain situations but it's not common yet
1: Mm -hmm. and kind of on the flip side if someone has filed for a bankruptcy and they have children who are going to be going off to college in the next few years is that going to affect you know their children from being able to get financial aid to go to college or any of these loans
2: it doesn't affect their children being able to get financial aid or loans where it can have an impact is if someone is going to take out a, a private loan and the parent um, is thinking of being the co-signer for the loan. In mm-hmm. that case, for private loans, they do do a credit check. And in that case, if a bankruptcy does show up on your credit report, then it can impact um, whether the lender will make the decision to um, to uh, provide offer the loan or not. So mm-hmm. typically that comes into play for private student loans, uh, but for government loans, things like that, it usually doesn't have an impact.
1: Okay. So I think we touched on this a little bit earlier, but when they're going to, you know, decide whether they're going to file for a bankruptcy, you know, what information then do you recommend like specifically that they pull together to kind of analyze their financial picture? I mean, obviously like I would think a loan statement, you know, mortgage or things like that, but if you could just touch on all the things that might go into a bankruptcy um, that they could Mm kind of bundle in there.
2: Yeah. So I would say that the best way that you can be prepared to to determine whether a bankruptcy is the right option for you or not is to uh, do some of those things that I mentioned earlier. So gather all the evidence of your income, whether it's from employment, whether it's through your business, um, Social Security, whatever it may be, um, so that you know um, exactly how much income is coming into your household every month. Then also doing the math and looking, pulling together all the different ducks you have um, so that you have a clear picture of what you owe to who and um, how much. And then Mm -hmm. the other piece of it is to make a list of your assets. And um, for things like um, IRAs or 401ks, things like that, pull the most recent statement that you have on those so that you have a clear picture of um, you know, what you have in those accounts and if you've taken out any loans against any retirement accounts, that you have that information as well. And then um, those, I think, would be the critical pieces to see if a bankruptcy, be- for an attorney or anyone reviewing the case, to be able to know if bankruptcy is an option. And then depending on the circumstances, there will be additional doc- documentation required. But I would say those three pieces are the critical, the critical uh-huh. pieces.
1: And is my, probably my final question before we start to get to, you know, kind of closing down what we're going to end up doing and, and having you share some of your information too. But what about estates? You know, when someone's going to file, you know, let's, we hear all the time, you should have like a trust or something like that. So does that affect the bankruptcy process at all? If so, like what would be the differences between an individual filing for bankruptcy and maybe like an estate or a trust?
2: Yeah. So in that case, um, so trust documents. Those would be things that you would want to gather in looking at assets that you may that could pertain to you or that that um, you're involved with in some way or another. Um, and then with trust, it it can get a little. I mean, trusts are great, and I you know I recommend I mm-hmm. I'm always recommending that people do um, do their estate planning, because it's an important piece of of having financial success, I think, in the long run. Um, But in those cases, if there is a trust or something like that involved, definitely bringing that documentation to make sure that when the bankruptcy analysis is being done, that's being taken into account to determine what the best um, next step would be.
1: Mm -hmm. And so, obviously, I don't know if, like, they go to an estate attorney ahead of time or if they're considering this if they talk with you know there's the whole lot around this but I was just thinking you know you always hear about you should have a trust and you should put your assets in the trust and I just didn't know if that protects any assets at all or you know like if you have a revocable trust versus a you know irrevocable trust you know I didn't know how that affects
2: it. Yeah so it 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 does um it is a factor that that goes into determining whether bankruptcy is, um, the best option for someone or not. Um, particularly if there are trusts where there's a lot of moving pieces to, to the trust. Um, so I would say that, um, it isn't necessarily for somebody to do that before filing bankruptcy or after filing bankruptcy. It's more than anything, um, being, um, you know, full disclosure, so that whoever is making the legal analysis, the legal analysis can determine whether bankruptcy is a good option or not.
1: Mm-hmm. And one other question, probably in this on this topic, is what if someone's already filed a bankruptcy and now they're a beneficiary of you know a trust? Is are they going to potentially lose out when now it's time to disperse you know those assets? If they have you know this bankruptcy, is that going to affect anything?
2: Mm-hmm. It can. So, in that case, definitely, 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 talk to a bankruptcy attorney. Um, I I think a a common mistake that I see, especially if people are with are are savvy, you know, with their finances and all of that, mm-hmm. they see bankruptcy. They see, well, it's a bunch of forms. I can fill out these forms. It's pretty straightforward. But there are a mm-hmm. lot of nuances that go into. Um, a bankruptcy and especially if there are things like trust involved um you want to make sure that you're preparing everything uh the right way to avoid losing a lot more than what could be gained from doing a bankruptcy um so even though bankruptcy is a, a set of forms that need to get filled out there's a whole world that goes beyond that so definitely 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 get legal advice um Before making any mistakes that could be costly. So perfect.
1: Well, we're actually at the end of the show, and I want to make sure that you have time to share if you have an offer that you wanted to have for our listeners.
2: Yes. So if you um, share uh, that you heard us on the podcast today, feel free to contact our office. We will do a 15 minute uh, consultation just going over your situation and giving you some basic um, options that you may that may be useful in determining whether bankruptcy is something um, that can help you with um, where you want to your goals over the next couple of years.
1: Perfect. And how would our listeners reach you?
2: Yes, yeah, so they can give us a call at our uh, number which is three one zero seven one three two three three four, or they can also go on our website. Um, our website is www. thegrande com, and there is a form they can fill out on that very as soon as they open up the website, um, and then we can give you a call and set up um, that fifteen minute consultation for free.
1: Perfect. And do you have any social media links you want to share as well?
2: Yes, yeah, so you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter um, at Grande Law Firm. Um, it's the same same handle for all of our social media uh, places Perfect. that we have.
1: Great. Well, thank you so much, Cynthia, for being a guest on my show today. I really appreciate the time that you took out to
2: share your expertise. Thank Thank you so much, Candy. It's been fun, and I've really enjoyed uh, speaking with you and sharing sharing this information. So, well, and I want
1: to thank also the listeners for, you know, tuning into the show and learning from you. Uh, I hope that everyone found this topic interesting and that it answered some questions about bankruptcy. If you have any additional questions or comments, be sure to reach out to Cynthia at any of the links that she shared, or you can send us a message at media at abandp.com. And would you please share our show information with those you know? I'd greatly appreciate your support. Next week's topic is develop an amazing culture of accountability that retains the right people. I hope you can join us for this presentation. And please remember you can connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And my website is abandp.com. Links can be found on my Voice America page. Remember to tune in each Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And if you can't join us for the live show, you can find the episode saved on the business channel on voiceamerica.com or find the podcast posted on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Until next time, have a great week.
0: Thank you for listening to bizhelp for You. Please join your host, Candy Messer, again next Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a terrific week.